You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation, and welcome to your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every game, news item, rumor, and more. Thank you for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is David Ramil. The regular season is here, and Miami starts off with a big win over the Memphis Grizzlies, a 120-101 blowout that did not look like it was going to be a win at all, much less an easy one. Jimmy Butler was listed as out for the game due to personal reasons. Deion Waiters and James Johnson were both out as expected, and the Heat were starting two rookies for the first time on opening night in a long time, with Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero getting the decision from Eric Spolstra, joining Justice Winslow, Bam Adebayo, and Myers Leonard in that starting lineup. The game started off with some flash of excitement, and the Heat built a quick lead until Nunn picked up two early fouls and then things fell apart. The next two and a half quarters were sloppy, really sloppy, as you might expect in the first game of the season, with some really bad passing, some non-existent defense, and a lot of turnovers and foul troubles, before a 24-1 run that began midway through the fourth quarter put the game out of reach for Memphis. The story of the game, though, was Justice Winslow, who looked absolutely amazing tonight. Uh, Justice finished with 27 points on 10-21 shooting. He knocked down six of his nine free throw attempts, added seven rebounds, led the team with seven assists, and had a steal and a block. Like I said during the preseason, he's emerged as a legitimate triple-double threat, and I think we saw the full range from him today. He took advantage of Memphis's smaller backcourt to control the game and really established himself. He was controlling the pace and making the kind of passes that could easily put him as one of the best playmakers on the team, if not around the league. He looked phenomenal. I, I think there's no way around it, really. He, he looked great. He looked like he was in charge. He was dominant. We haven't seen a 27-point outing from him. I, I'm trying to think. This might I don't know. If it's not a career high from him. But at the same time, he just looked really, really comfortable in the role. Again, not, um, a lot of that might have had to do with the fact that Memphis was starting very you know, two smaller guards in John Morant and Dylan Brooks, but at the same time, I just like Justice's ability to stay in the moment. He never seemed like he lost control when that shot wasn't falling. During that sloppy stretch in the middle of the game, he seemed like he was just still attacking, very aggressive, finishing very well in traffic and at the rim. Things that we needed to see from him. He was pulling down rebounds, making those passes. Just a strong, really strong game from him. And if there are questions, and I know I was asked during the, the game itself who would emerge as the second complimentary player to Jimmy Butler. Well, I think you'd have to say it's Justice. That was pretty clear tonight. He was the best player of the game for Miami, and he just looked like he was ready for the moment. I don't know how much of an impact he would have had with Jimmy there, and that's something that we'll have to watch one once Butler returns to the lineup. But for tonight, at least, Jimmy looked really, I'm sorry, Justice looked really, really solid. And just very, very sharp. A much more improved version of the player that we've seen in the past. Uh, his shooting wasn't spectacular from, from long range. He finished one of two from three-point range. The free throws started to look a little shaky. He missed a couple early on, even though he was getting to the line a lot. Six, six and nine. Nine free throw attempts for Justice Winslow. Now that must be a career. I don't think I've ever seen him get to the line that much. And a lot of that had to do with him going through traffic, drawing impact, um, you know, absorbing that impact, and still trying to finish plays whenever possible. And he just looked really, really good. 
the other story is probably the rookies chipping in. Uh, Tyler Hero again starting. A lot of people expected him to have a big game. He didn't have a great game. He did finish 6-14 from the field with 14 points, along with 8 rebounds. For somebody who had so many concerns regarding his short arm span, he seemed like he was at least an active rebounder. He also chipped in two steals because, as we saw from him during the preseason, he has good timing. He's good at anticipating passes and reading when a, a player drives to the rim and is looking for an outlet pass to the perimeter. He's good at anticipating that. He's quick, if nothing else. And I think that's a big part of why he might have better than expected defense because he can anticipate those passes, get into passing lanes quickly, and I think he'll, he'll be able to at least force turnovers that way. His man-to-man defense, as I'll get into later on, is a little suspect still. But for the most part, at least, he, he seems solid as far as being able to anticipate passes and pull away turnovers that way. He had a couple broken up passes too that I don't think resulted in turnovers. Um, but either way, still solid. But Chris uh, Kendrick Nunn, however, also starting alongside Tyler, finished with 24 points on 10 of 18 shooting. One of two from three-point range, three of three at the line, also chipped in three assists, two rebounds, two steals, and he looked really good. Um, I'll get into it a little bit later from some of our listener questions, but uh, he, he just looked aggressive. Um, you know, Eric Spolstra, I can't get over how he talked about it on Media Day, how much he likes the Chicago guys, and none seems to embody that Chicago spirit, at least as how Spolstra perceives it, which is aggressive, determined, willing to go to the line, absorbing contact, all these kinds of things. And he just, he wouldn't shy away from his shot. Even when that shot, again, wasn't falling, he still remained confident and was able to eventually get into a nice, comfortable rhythm. And he might have been the difference maker in the game. As steady as Justice Winslow was for most of his playing time, I'd still say Kendrick's impact probably was a turning point for the game. And that was a huge thing. Uh, Bam out of bio... Also had a pretty solid line. I know a lot of people were expecting him to be another one of those guys that could step up and possibly be the complimentary player to Jimmy. He didn't look in game one. Finished with 14 points, just 3 of 7 from the field. But he also had 10 free throw attempts, of which he knocked down 8. Pulled down 11 total rebounds, including 4 offensive boards. Also had 3 assists, 1 steal. He also had 5 turnovers. A lot of that had to do with him trying to force the pass when the timing wasn't really there. And so I don't want to put a limitation on Bam's playmaking ability because I think that's one of his biggest strengths. And so we have to encourage that. And Spolster and the coaching staff has to continue to encouraging that. But at the same time, he needs to get that timing a little bit down because there were moments there where he was looking for guys along the perimeter or cutters going towards the rim, and the, the passes were just sail past everybody and lead to a turnover, and that's not what we want from Bam. I think he can be a little bit tighter when it comes to that passing ability. And uh, otherwise, though, he was very, very solid. And if I made this point during the game, he, he seemed like he was going for the home run on dunk attempts. Uh, whenever a missed shot would carry him off the rim, Bam, using his otherworldly athleticism, would just catch the ball and try to slam it home over Jonas Valanciunas, who was starting at center for the Memphis Grizzlies, or Jason uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, and a lot of those times, those the dunk attempts just seemed like it were he missed them because he was just trying too hard, and I would have preferred a layup. He could have finished 
you know, five of seven. He could have finished six of seven, maybe, if he had just made the easier shot instead of the one that was more flashy. And I don't think flashiness is necessarily a part of his game. I just think his tendency is to say, I can probably leap over everybody. And using his size and length, he can finish over almost all defenders. But sometimes he was just trying to catch lobs or rebounds that were just too far back. And he could have corralled those, made a solid pass to a cutter or somebody along the perimeter that might have led to an easier score rather than trying to go for, again, that home run dunk. So it's something that we'll have to kind of monitor as far as the rest of the season is concerned. Overall, a good night. I'd say a B if I had to grade it. Um, not quite C plus because he did have a solid night overall. And, and those free throw attempts, spectacular. I mean, he draws a lot of contact because he is so physical, because he is always around the rim and making an impact. Not a factor from the perimeter or from the mid-range. I didn't see him take, I think, a mid-range shot. Um, and his post-up moves continue to be a concern. He was trying to back down Jaron Jackson Jr., and he did not do a good job of that. In fact, as he was he's taking his third dribble as he was posting up, the ball just kind of popped loose, and he does not feel comfortable in post-up situations. So that's something to concern ourselves with because as a center, he's going to have a lot of those opportunities. And I know that Miami has tended to shy away from the posted game as much as possible. They wanted to use it, or they had to use it, because that was Hassan Whiteside's strengths, or at least one of his perceived strengths. And so that was a factor in recent seasons. But Bam is a different player, and he needs to understand that he can't just post up guys, because I don't think he's as tall as a lot of people expect him. Uh, I think those uh, adjusted heights show him at being 6'9". And if that's the case, he's not as big. He's more athletic and explosive, and he needs to continue to use those traits to his strengths. Goran Dragic was a legitimate superstar off the bench. I mean, he finished with 19 points, 4 of 9 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3-point range, 10 free throw attempts, just because well, Goran still knows how to draw contact, and he just was really, really good. Memphis's defense may not be particularly good. Again, that undersized backcourt, the fact that they're starting Morant, a rookie, they're going to they're gonna be victimized quite a bit, but at least Goran was able to take advantage of those situations, and he was able to fend off anybody who was trying to guard him, whether it was uh, Grayson Allen or Tyus Jones, veterans that I should know better. He was able to use his savvy very, very effectively, and he is a really legitimate, I think, six-man-of-the-year candidate. Uh, I know it's only one game, but I've been – trumpeting this for well over a year now from what I can recall that if Dwayne Wade was able to accept a role off the bench then Goran Dragic could as well and that he might actually thrive that way because of his age because of the fact that he might not be necessarily ready for starters minutes he played 25 minutes off the bench not bad not bad uh Justice I think led all starters with 37 minutes yeah that clearly he led all starters all players with 37 minutes on both teams so he's going to get a bulk of those minutes, but he can't afford it. He's 22. He's younger. Goran is not that player anymore. And so off the bench, he can be more effective. And he just looked comfortable. He looked like he was in a rhythm. And a really, really solid night for him. Wasn't a great game. I think a lot of it has to do with the opponent. Uh, Memphis is rebuilding. And although they run at a fast pace, at least from what we saw over the preseason, they may not be as bad as everyone expects them to be. But this was still a lot tighter than it should have been for 42 minutes of play. Um, they were able to dictate the pace. They were able to make Miami uncomfortable. They forced a lot of bad shots from a number of players. Uh, there was a, a number of fouls here uh, that weren't 
that went in Miami's favor, I'll be honest with you. They did take 39 free throw attempts, but it was just a, a sloppy, grinded out kind of game. Uh, the kind of game that Memphis might have thrived in years ago when they were playing their grit and grind system and defense. But conversely, it, it kind of, it, you know, it impacted them negatively tonight. But Miami just fell into traps, unfortunately, where they just they didn't look comfortable. They weren't sure how to get out of it. And uh, without Jimmy there, you know, there might be some glaring concerns uh, about whether or not they might be able to win against good teams. And I, I don't think Memphis is a particularly good team. And, and so that's something that we should probably look out for. The backcourt defense wasn't great. Um, you know, none and Hero had moments. They, they are good at forcing turnovers. But their man-to-man defense isn't great. And they were roasted on more than one occasion by Morant and Tyus Jones, who both of those players combined for 29 points. And they were able to dictate a lot of Memphis' scoring during that sloppy stretch of play. And they were the ones that really pushed Memphis to a considerable lead. I don't think it ever reached double digits, but it was pretty close. And either way, just Miami's defense did not look good. It wasn't the kind of perimeter defense that we've expected from this team in the past. You know, a lot of that might be the fact that Justice is handling so much offensively. And we saw this from Josh Richardson last year, where he was being asked to be more of an offensive focal point as his defense struggled. And then once he started getting contributions from other players and guys off the bench like Dwayne and and Goran, then, you know, he was able to concentrate a little bit more on defense, which was his strong suit. Without Richardson in the lineup tonight, Miami really struggled as far as their perimeter defense is concerned. It looked, you know, disconcerting. There were a number of players that were able to pull up for three uh, three-point attempts from long range. Look, Memphis did not shoot well from three-point range. They still took 32 attempts. They only knocked down five of those. Um, but their mid-range, they were able to take a first step past the initial defender, either a hero or none or somebody like that, and get to that mid-range shot or get to the rim even worse. Where Again, they were, you know, uh, we don't have that rim protector anymore. We don't have Hassan Whiteside even in there. Even though Kelly Olenek had two blocks and he looked like he was pretty solid, uh, as far as his overall rim protection is concerned, he's just not that kind of player. And so that's something that Miami will definitely need to tighten against better, more qualified opponents. But it's a win. It's a, a win without your star player and Jimmy. It was a good win at home. It was something that I think that home crown really needed. They were energized. They were excited. Uh, I think the the loss of Butler, along with the bad news that we've heard from Dion in recent days and, and the overall shadow of James Johnson, the fact that he was out of training camp and, and the fact that he hasn't gotten any kind of playing time since then, those kind of things just wore on the home fan base there, but they were mostly excited and I think they they were starting to kind of get into it, especially towards that end of the game when that fourth quarter really turned in Miami's favor and there were a number of factors for that. Uh, a rookie that we'll talk about a little, little bit later in, this, in the show, but coming up next, I'll answer your questions about the game. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked on at checkout. get into Justice Winslow's tremendous first game of the season, but first, I'll answer the questions everyone sent in using the hashtag AskHelloHeat. 
Josh Van Meter asks, Small sample size, of course, but could this be the best rookie group Miami has ever had? Well, that's that's a bold statement. It's only one game, as Josh acknowledges, but uh, it looked really good. Tyler, I think, can be an impactful player. Uh, there's going to be nights from him when that shot falls, and he's going to be spectacular on occasion. I think there's still things that he needs to do better. Um, his passing was a little off. He was trying to force plays to a number of guys, similarly to Bam. His ball handling was a little suspect, and, and he did wind up trying to force passes to players uh, that weren't there in anticipation. He only was credited with one turnover, but I could have sworn there were a few more than that that might have been just not p- passes that he shouldn't have been making, trying to do a little bit too much because he was looking for a foul call that he didn't get. He only finished with two free throw attempts, so that's another thing, too, where he's just that's just the kind of guy he is. He's a little bit more electric as a player, and... Um, you know, I think he needs to slow his roll a little bit and, and do make the smart play rather than the more exciting play. But that just might be who he is. So we have to wait and see who he turns into, what kind of player he develops over the course of the season. But Kendrick Nunn's development, that wasn't anything anyone expected. And so he was spectacular in this first game. Those, that 40-point outing against Houston um, was a, a, a precursor of what to expect from him maybe over the course of the season. And he just looks aggressive. That shot really can make a difference. Um, he gets to the line. He's athletic. He has a really, really quick first step. And he's a real difference maker. And the third rookie that got some significant playing time tonight was Chris Silva. I don't think anybody expected Silva to be anything more than the 11th or 12th guy on the bench. Swolster had said all preseason that he was looking at 10 guys. Those were his guys that he wanted to to get some significant playing time out of. Silva was not supposed to be one of those 10. But with Johnson out, with Waiters out, with Butler out, he had no choice. He, he went with Duncan Robinson. He got some playing time. Duncan did not play well. He had just one three-pointer, one of five from the field. All five of those were three-point attempts. But Silva went in there and just has a real knack for making impactful plays. His length is something else. He's good on closeouts, even though he's guarding bigs. He also finished with three blocks. Um, Just a nice outing from him, really. And he finished with eight points on top of it, got to the line a couple of times. All this was just in 11 minutes of play. And so when you combine all three of those players, I'd say it's a really, really good rookie class. It has the potential to be a great one, but... I mean, that's that's tough to predict off of one game. And I think we'll have to see a lot more consistency out of them moving forward in order to proclaim it the best in Miami's history. I mean, you go back to their first season when they were starting two rookies. And, um, you know, they had Ronnie Cycli and, and others there. And then eventually Glenn Rice and Sherman Douglas, I think, were in the same rookie class. A number of guys there. I mean, it's just, it's too many. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure that this team has that kind of top-end talent. I think Hero is still probably the most talented guy on this roster as far as rookies is concerned. Um, Kendrick Nunn seems like he might be a more steady contributor just because of his style of play. is independent on a three-point shot falling. And Silva, as long as he can be a nice contributor, that's good. I mean, the other other class that I can compare it to is probably Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam being impactful players, and I don't know that anything's going to surpass that in 2003. So um, I'll say no. With the caveat that it could be really, really good anyway, and we should appreciate them while they're here and while we watch them develop into legitimate NBA players. Billy Cunn asks, my notes, well, this is more of a statement than anything else. Winslow is 2A and ready for a leap. I agree 100%. Dragic, when healthy, can still ball and is 2B. That's probably a good point. Bam knows his role. 
The kids, Hero, Nunn, and Silva gave solid minutes. Kelly Olenek is better than Myers Leonard. And James Johnson and Dion cheated themselves in this team with their suspensions. Your thoughts? Well, uh, JJ hasn't been suspended. He's out. Um, I'm not sure when he'll return to the lineup. I'm not sure if he'll return to the lineup. Uh, other than that, I don't have any problem with Billy's points here. They're all very, very good points. And he's right that Olenek is better than Myers Leonard. I think we started to see... More of what we could fear from Myers in tonight's game as far as his defense is concerned. His shot's not falling, and he's able to be a big body that can pull down rebounds. He did have three rebounds in 19 minutes. Not great. He also had a steal. Uh, he also had four fouls. So, you know, 0 of 2 shooting from both from per- the perimeter. Not great. Kelly, conversely, had 22 minutes of play and finished with seven points. He's just quicker. He also had eight rebounds. He had a steal. Those two blocks I mentioned earlier. You know, I think it's clear that Kelly Olenek is a better player. But I kind of like Spolster's decision to keep him off the bench. This bench could be really good. I mean, if none is going to be the starter. And I should point out that Eric Spolster was apparently going to start Kendrick Nunn anyway. Even when Jimmy Butler wasn't out. The starting lineup would have been Justice Winslow. Kendrick Nunn in the backcourt, and then Jimmy Butler playing the three alongside Bam and Bio Myers Leonard. So if you look at that starting lineup, you're going to have four playmakers there from Justice through Bam. That's one through four. Uh, Myers can make some plays for others. He just needs to be a big body. He's going to be a guy who can box out, who can pull down rebounds, who can occasionally stretch the floor. The shot's not always going to fall for Myers, and that's the reality, but he can still be a solid contributor. But off the bench, you get a guy who's a starter quality player like Kelly Olenek who can handle the pressure coming off the bench. I asked Bolster about that against the, the night before the Houston Rockets matchup, and he liked the fact that both of them were good players that bring different skill sets. It's not the same thing, and he doesn't care who starts, and he doesn't think either of them care who starts. That They're both competent adults that are professional and have been in the league long enough to understand that the starting nod isn't necessarily a big deal. It's about who can get in there, make the biggest impact, and contribute to what actual win. And so I happen to agree with him on that. I like the Kelly Olenek off the bench thing. I thought he was going to be the starter because, well, I wasn't I wasn't prepared for Myers Leonard being a solid contributor there because he's been a bench player for most of his career. But it fits with the starting lineup. If you see that, that, that proposed lineup of Butler, Winslow, Nunn, and Adebayo, you're going to get everything you need offensively out of that. You're going to get everything you need defensively, especially along the perimeter. And Myers is probably more equipped to be a quasi-rim protector. I don't think either him or Kelly Olenek are real rim protectors, but I think Myers is more of at least a deterrent. But the problem with him is that so many big men in today's game can stretch the floor or are being asked to play out on the perimeter, and if they take a step, they're going to get past him. He's slow-footed. He's almost stuck out there, and he was victimized quite often. And he can be victimized in pick-and-roll situations, too. So uh, that's a concern, but I don't think there's any better options. You're going to go undersized with Adebayo at the center spot, and you have to move things around and then bring Kelly into the starting lineup and then keep Myers off the bench. That might work, but Kelly is very, very potent as a scorer, especially against bench players. So I kind of like where, where Spolster's going with this, and I would expect that to, to stay the case. Ferris Hakeem asks, honestly, where does J.J. and Dion find time on this team? Aside from Duncan Robinson, who can easily be swapped out, I think James Johnson can fill his spot, but none looks good out there. Obviously, a long season, 
if Dion can find his way back. And Tuan Speaks adds, how much of a drop-off is Kendrick Nunn from Dion really? Both good points. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, one game without your star player who would have played 35 minutes, he probably would have eclipsed whatever minutes uh, Justice Winslow played or Justice would not have started or played as many minutes if Jimmy had been in the lineup. So it's tough to say exactly where J.J. and Dion could have found time. Um, Dion in particular, he seems like his role is slipping. Um, You know, I like what J.J. can do. I think he probably would have been a better option to get some playing time over Duncan Robinson. He's not not the floor spacer that Duncan is, even though Duncan's Duncan's shot was not falling tonight and it struggled. He struggled with it all preseason. But as a playmaker, as a guy who can knock down threes, he's still a valuable asset. But if you're getting the same thing out of Dion that you can get out of Kendrick Nunn, I, I would go so far as to say that Dion's days with the team are probably numbered. As he indicated in his Instagram story, he's seen the writing on the wall. And maybe it's writing that he helped put up there himself because he's kind of put himself in a bad position as Ferris writes. Um, so I, I'm not sure I'm not sure what, uh, what, what the role is for him moving forward. I, I mean, I, I think they'd still like to give Dion some minutes, but Kendrick Nunn looks good enough where he's replaceable. And uh, I don't know that he's much of a drop-off to, to Twan's point. I think he might be as good as Dion. He reminded me a lot as far as his first step is concerned, his willingness and ability to get to the rim. I think he's a little actually more athletic and explosive than Dion. He can dunk uh, better than Dion can. Um, he can finish at the rim better than Dion can. I, his shot might actually be better than Dion's. Small sample size, and this could all change uh, in the next matchup for Miami, but at the same time, I, I like Nunn's contribution, and I'd say he's probably going to be a factor moving forward, and Dion has put himself in a doghouse he might not be able to crawl out of. So uh, that's something to watch out for. Uh, we've seen reports that other teams might be interested in tra- trading for waiters, or Miami might force a trade to acquire another high-salaried player in exchange, somebody who... Fits a different need. Might be uh, another guy in the front court, uh, a big. I think Ira Winterman wrote that Gorgie Deng from Minnesota would be an option, although Gorgie's contract is a little bit more expensive, and I'm not sure why you'd want to add him. But either way, um, it's a lot to, to kind of see after just one game, but none looks good enough to, to make Dion seem replaceable. So definitely something to keep an eye on for that. Coming up next, my goat and scapegoat of the game. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked on Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, please leave a rating and review, especially if it's a good one. Stat of the game, 84.6%. Miami shot 33 of 39 on their free throw attempts. The Heat shot just an average of under 22 attempts per game last season. And Houston, which led all teams, shot an average of 28.5%. I'm not sure that you can take much of the number of free throw attempts. I saw during the preseason that this was a team more likely to play faster in transition. That did not seem the case early on. During that really ugly stretch, uh, Memphis actually had an 18-4 to edge as far as transition buckets were concerned, and Miami was not getting anything transition, possibly because Justice plays at a slower pace. Uh, he wasn't pushing the ball up as much as we might expect him to be. 
and Bam wasn't getting those kind of opportunities in transition that we could expect from him in the future. And Jimmy's also a factor. He's a guy who does like to push the pace. He releases a lot on a defensive possession so that he can get ahead of a defense and get in there for an easy bucket. So um, probably less free throw attempts, although he's a guy who can get to the line quite a bit as well. So it's something to look out for. Miami could be a top five team in terms of free throw possessions. Uh, so that's that's a huge improvement for a team that finished 22nd last year. I think 22nd, 24th, something like that. They were they were not particularly good. Uh, Justice wasn't getting a lot of free throw attempts. Josh never got a lot of free throw attempts. Bam, I think was the, the team along with Hassan Whiteside, their their leader, their leaders in free throw attempts. That's it's encouraging to see them getting into it. A lot of it also was a very quick whistle from referees tonight. There was just a lot of foul calls that slowed the game down, made it really really ugly, and uh, I, I don't think we're going to see that consistently again. Memphis team with shaky defense starting a number of young players playing a number of young players going through a rebuilding season they're not particularly good they don't have a superstar that's going to get the whistle as often so um not great as far as defense is concerned and i think we saw that early on and, and for most of the game and then uh you know as far as miami's concerned at the very least they were able to capitalize on their free throw attempts and that's a very encouraging thing without hassan here Miami has a much, much better free throw shooting core. And Tyler's good at knocking down free throws. He actually shot a technical at one point. Goran can knock down the free throw. Jimmy's a pretty solid free throw shooter. All good things. And and that's something very, very encouraging for Miami. The GOAT of the game. Best player of the game. I'm tempted to give it to Justice Winslow because his overall impact was so good. But I'm actually going to go with Kendrick Nunn. I, I I think Justice was probably the better player. I think Kendrick's impact might have been a little bit more. He just was phenomenal. Um, during that stretch, when that 24-1 run was taking place, he was Miami's most effective player, in combination with Goran, in combination with Justice and some others. But Nunn's aggressiveness, you can't overstate how important that was. He was getting to the line. He was doing nice things. He was getting to the rim. And he just seemed like he was having a more of an overall impact, something that we did not expect from him. Look, I, I, I saw him in Summer League. He had some nice moments there, but it's Summer League. Who cares? He, he can't take that seriously. That it's translated over there, I think, is more a testament to, one, his hard work and determination, and two, Miami's development. Uh, their system is great, and it's paying off, and you see that not just in Kendrick, but also in Tyler and also in Chris Silva. The fact that Chris Silva was an undrafted rookie who was able to come in in a tight game and make an impact, who got into foul trouble early on and was still able to play through it and continue to do things the way he knows how. You know, he was pulling down rebounds because of his length. He was getting in traffic, finishing at the rim, drawing free throw attempts, you know, all good things. He had a couple nice blocks, one block in particular on rookie John Morant um, that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. took some exception to, and it looked like they were going to get into a fight there. He actually drew a technical, as did Chris Silva, but either way, um, some pretty nice showing from him. So, the scapegoat of the game, I'd have to give it to Myers Leonard. Um, you know, the fact that his shooting it wasn't there tonight was a problem, and if he's not doing that, he's not doing much else because on defense he looked particularly slow. Jonas Valanciunas isn't the quickest center out there, but he was getting past Leonard pretty easily. And then with with you know Memphis's backcourt. Picking their spots and getting to the rim, um, that created openings for everybody else. And, and Myers was taken advantage of quite a bit. So he was Miami's worst player there by a long shot. And uh, that's unfortunate because I thought he was going to be a little bit more solid. I thought he was going to be able to be more of a contributor. 
but it also goes to show what difference there is between the preseason where Myers look good and the regular season where the tempo is just so much faster and the whistle is different and the game can't be played at the same level. So I was also concerned about Justice Winslow scoring because he was not an aggressive scorer during the preseason and he looked great tonight. So uh, that just goes to show you that it's a very, very different style of play during the regular season. And hopefully one, Miami can tighten up and continue they're off until Saturday, and Jimmy Butler and maybe even Deion Waiters are expected to return to the lineup in a 5 p.m. game versus the Milwaukee Bucks at Milwaukee. That game will be on NBA TV as well as on Fox Sports. But that's it for today. You can connect with me on Twitter using the hashtag AskHelloHeat or email me at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support. Yeah! Wrap it up,